The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your home Good morning, Hamilton. This is Rob Golfie with Remax, the Golfie team. Welcome to the Hamilton Real Estate Show with Rick Zamprin. Good Saturday morning once again. Wow, another week has flown by here in Hamilton, Burlington, Niagara, around the world, really. I mean, you can get us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts and listen, whether you're in China or Russia or Brazil or the States or Canada. A lot of listeners and great to hear some feedback on uh, how, uh, you know, how well they like the show and how they find it uh, interesting if uh, they're in the real estate game or not. If you are kicking your tires or kicking the tires, I guess is a proper term about whether you want to sell your home, whether you want to move again, uh, either for the 10th time, the fifth time, the first time, robgolfi.com is the website to go to the hottest listings in town at robgolfi.com. You want Canada's number one REMAX team on your side. 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. If you're new to the show, you don't know these digits. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Rob Golfie is the handle. If you've been a fan of the show for a while, you know you've been following those uh, social media feeds and sites and uh, watched a great video earlier this week. And I was in it as well. I was kind of I was surprised. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm in the Rob Golfie Golfie Team Facebook video. And you guys were talking about uh, some of the things that you're projecting. And we'll get into that in a matter of minutes here on this edition of the Hamilton Real Estate Show. Don't forget, if you have a topic idea, or a question for the Golfie team, you can send them an email. Questions at robgolfie.com is the email address. That's questions at robgolfie.com. Lots to talk about today. We're going to get to a couple of disciplinary rulings from the Real Estate Council of Ontario. We'll talk about Toronto downtown condo prices and uh, how they are differing from detached homes. And uh, we'll even get to some uh, predictions and some insight from the Deputy Chief Economist at CIBC. But before we get all to that, uh, number one, Rob, we were talking off-air just before the show on November uh, being uh, a little bit better than, than November of last year. And it's still, this, this real estate sector is still going strong. Yeah, it's still uh, it's still going strong. It's a little high, definitely higher than last year's November's. It's not double, but it is it is a definitely it's probably up about maybe ten percent more in unit sales. I just did a quick look, but uh, the final numbers are going to come out uh, next week, and um, and then we'll have definitely what's going on in in November. But yeah, no, things are moving along strongly. I mean, uh, I, we noticed a huge difference from basically from October uh, versus November, but uh, it, it's it, it, we're a little better than a, a normal market still. Um, and we don't, and you know, we'll see how that uh, the final numbers come out uh, uh, at the end of the month. 
It's very exciting. Um, there is an article in, I, I think it's just pronounced Toronto, it's T-R-N-T-O, and they interviewed uh, real estate expert Benjamin Tall. He is the deputy chief economist at uh, CIBC regarding, you know, asking him basically to look into his crystal ball to see uh, what's going to happen down the road. Uh, one of the questions, and, and there's a few that I found interesting, but one of them is how has the real estate market outperformed your expectations as of late? And he calls it the mother of all V-shaped recoveries and says that the market recovering wasn't a surprise, but the speed that it did recover maybe was the surprise. Did, did that surprise you as well? I mean, back in March and April, everything basically shut down, including you know real estate. It was kind of trickling through, and then the massive wave began. Were you surprised at how quickly it did restart? It did. So when we had to shut down in, uh, in March and I'm thinking, you know what, we all have these goals, uh, that we set for, um, you know, sale, how many sales we want to do and all that kind of stuff. And I knew that was, I felt that was out the window, uh, in March and April. I thought, you know what, there's no way we're going to meet our expectations or even meet what we did the previous year. So, then uh, once May kicked in, you know, we started noticing, you know, things were starting to get back on track. And then, but then June, July, August, September, including October, it just, it was just like, we didn't expect that. The, the market just surpassed and, and outperformed last year, uh, double. Um, it just, we just, that was a total shocker that, uh, that came into effect and housing prices just growing and growing. Now, um, and that's, and that, and they're seeing the same thing too. Like, so they're, 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 you know, and so their reports and their, uh, experts are probably predicting what's going to happen. And, and, and I kind of understand what's going to happen just like it happened in 2017, but it's not going to be below what we were before we had the spike. Now it's going it, to, it may level off, but, uh, but yeah, it's not going to be like what, um, uh, this Benjamin guy may say. Uh, another of the questions posed to him was, uh, do you see the exodus to the suburbs uh, trend continuing? And his answer is so basically th- this trend started way before the COVID-19 pandemic uh, crisis and uh, basically saying it's not new. But he also said that this crisis is no different in the sense that it will or that it accelerated that trend, but he doesn't see it continuing. He believes that people, and obviously he's referring to Toronto, people are going to go back to downtown. Have we seen, I think exodus might be a strong word, have, have we seen some people wanting to leave the downtown because they want to have a little more space, they want to be away from the hustle and bustle, and, and, and maybe perhaps during the pandemic, the quietness of the downtown? Yeah, you know what, I, I think if people have to move downtown, they'll go back, but if they can work in the suburbs, like like for instance, like Hamilton, Burlington, and even Niagara, they will, and companies are more open to having people work out of their, uh, out of their homes and, and it saves them, uh, rent, um, you know, like, um, you know, building uh, space and things like that. Um, I, you're right there, there, this kind of super charged everybody moving, uh, in the suburbs. There's no doubt about that. It was happening, but I don't think it's going to, uh, I, I think it, it will slow down just based on, cause there's an abundance that just did it during this COVID, uh, like 2020 year. Um, I, um, the ones that are going back will be new people, immigrants going back into, uh, Toronto that that are coming to this country. They're going to be, you know, that's going to fill in the, the, the blank spaces that that's available. Um, and then some people that have to move back because their jobs, you know, they just can't handle the commute or whatever, but the majority are going to stay. 
uh, and they're going to, and people are still going to keep moving to the suburbs. There's, um, and then, uh, again, and also the small condos, they're not going to, uh, do as, as well as they, uh, did in the last few years. What is the condo market like in Hamilton? The, Benjamin Tall is basically referring to the Toronto market as soft, and, and, and it is, and he says it's probably going to get softer. What are the, uh, the condo, what's the condo situation here in, uh, in Hamilton? It's, you know what? It, it's, there hasn't been an over an abundance of condo buildings going up. Like, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people are applying for rezoning and, and applying to, uh, to develop uh, condo places, but not, there hasn't been that much to, for it to be like, oh, we've got like eight buildings going up at the same time. We, we don't have that. So uh, condos are selling and they're selling, selling moderately. We're getting a lot of the Toronto uh, investors coming into Hamilton, buying these. So that's, that's what's causing them to sell you know, fairly quickly in these buildings. Once we have an over an abundance of condos, that's that's where we're going to find out if 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 it'll sustain that or not. Now we know there's a lot of uh, buildings going up that uh, are not condos; they're apartments, uh, and that's going to hurt a little bit of the uh, condo market because the investor that's buying it uh, and wanting to rent it, he may have a little bit of a struggle because he has condo fees to deal with, which. Uh, when somebody's renting out uh, an, an apartment that's fairly new, it basically looks like a condo, but it's just an apartment. Um, they'll be able to probably rent that out cheaper than what the uh, uh, investor that bought the condo unit himself. Very good point. Again, this article is on trnto.com. CIBC Deputy Chief Economist Benjamin Tall offering some insights on uh, the future of and well, the current status of real estate. So if you want to check out more of that, you can go online. Speaking of condos, there's a great article in The Star this week that uh, many realtors and economists say the condo sector will regain its momentum once workers go back to the job uh, downtown and go back to class downtown. Again, we're focusing on downtown Toronto, but not everyone is buying that. There's the author of When the Bubble Bursts, Surviving the Canadian Real Estate Crash. Her name is uh, Hilliard Macbeth, and said the single-family home market will inevitably be affected by the condo sector, and saying, quote, for almost everybody, if you want to buy a single-family home, you've got to sell something. The problem is if you can't sell your condo, you can't move up. So these people are really caught. They, they are. And I actually had a situation like that where I had a lady, she was looking at uh, a property that we had for sale. It was, it was a fairly expensive property. She owned about, I, I think, two or three properties and she wanted to, to move out this way. And, uh, and the thing is, when her realtor looked at what she would get for her condo, she said, uh, I'm not, uh, I can't do that. Uh, she was going to lose a lot of money uh, from her condo in Toronto to sell that to come this way. So that actually stopped her from actually moving out uh, to Hamilton, uh, Ancaster area uh, to buy a place out this way, just because of the fact that her condo is not going to get the, uh, the value that she expected that uh, she wanted from it. So uh, there, there's there's one case there that I personally dealt with myself. Now, how many other realtors are dealing with the same situation? So she's going to ride it out and wait till it goes. Uh, the, the market picks back up again. So it might be another, you know, three years, two years, who knows, or even five years. Um, so there's a lot of people out there. And now there is going to be some people that are going to be selling uh, their condos investors because they can't because they're empty. They can't afford to carry them. 
and they're going to have to dump them and they're going to end up selling them a lot less than what they probably are, are worth or that's what the market's going for and uh, they're going to lose money. So that's going to drive the, the condo market down and it's down now. It's going to, it's going to drive it down more because 50% of the condos uh, they, where they, they were saying were owned by investors. So, I mean, when investors uh, need money, they sell. They're not going to sell their personal residence. They're going to sell their investment. So this could be a factor in the condo market uh, uh, going down in, in the GTA uh, even more rapid than it is now. Most definitely. Prices in downtown Toronto for condos uh, falling about 9% since this year's uh, first quarter peak. When we return, we're going to dive into the Real Estate Council of Ontario and focus in on two disciplinary rulings, two different stories, uh, but two no-nos as well. We'll get to that when we come back here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samprin. On the line once again, Rob Golfie, sales representative with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfie team. Have a question for the Golfie team? Have a topic idea for a future program? Send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. That's questions at robgolfie.com. If you're selling your house and you want the hottest, best uh, Remax team in the country, it's the Golfie team. You have to call 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. Don't forget, Golfie gets it sold. Go online to robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. And check them out all over social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The handle is at Rob Golfie. And while you're at it, subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. Okay, we're going to focus on a couple of disciplinary rulings from the Real Estate Council of Ontario. And the first one uh, has to do with a lockbox. And uh, I, I read through the ruling and the, and the penalty, and uh, it seems like this realtor uh, made a big mistake, and, and, and one that shouldn't have been made. Uh, absolutely. So he gave a, a lockbox a lock code out to a home inspector without even being present there as a, as, as a realtor. Did you, did you want to read the, uh, yeah, what, yeah. what it is? Or? Sure, let me, let yeah. me read. I'll leave the person's name out of the equation. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Who knows? That's but fine. this person was representing the buyers who had entered into an agreement of purchase and sale with respect to the property. The agreement and purchase of sale was conditional upon inspection of the property by a home inspector and obtaining a report satisfactory to the buyers. The agreement purchase uh, and sale further provided the buyers the right to revisit the property two further times prior to completion. All right, sounds pretty standard. Well, this uh, realtor scheduled a time for the home inspector to attend the property and provided the home inspector with the lockbox code. The home inspector then attended the property without the realtor, used the code that the realtor had provided to open the lockbox, and entered the property. Having reviewed the agreed statement of facts and penalty and waiver of hearing, the disciplinary or the discipline committee found that the realtor breached sections 3 and 39 of the Code of Ethics and was ordered to pay a fine of $5,000 on or before May 11th of 2021. So there's the scenario. Yeah, so what happened was a realtor is supposed to be a tenant. You can't just give uh, a, a, a home inspector or even even uh, the buyers a code to walk into somebody's house freely without being present. 
and uh, and and you know what? He was being lazy. The uh, the realtor was being lazy by not uh, being there present during the home inspection. Now uh, he should have been there, and I don't know why he didn't do that. And sometimes even um, home inspectors they show up uh, sometimes a half an hour before the time slot that they say so that they can they start doing the stuff on the outside. But again, the realtor is supposed to be present there during the whole time of, of the uh, home inspection and to make sure that um, he's there. I mean, we've had, we've had one incident. Um, I think it was uh, last year that uh, a Toronto agent gave uh, a lockbox code to their buyers in, in, and it was in at Niagara and we're like, what? And, and thank God the, uh, uh, the homeowners were just kind of by the area and they're like, uh, can I help? You know, they're going up. Can I help you? Yeah. Yeah. Our, our agent gave us the code to come in through this house right away, red flag. Um, we, uh, called the agent and we filed a complaint against the, uh, the agent. So hopefully he doesn't do that again. And, and it stops other people, other agents doing that, just giving a code to, to people to walk into someone's house freely without being there. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, you know, I mean, I don't know why people do that. Um, it, uh, it, when you're taking your courses and, and you're, you know, learning about becoming a realtor, um, that is one of the segments uh, that uh, should be there. Actually, the real true law, the way it's supposed to be, is that the, uh, during home inspections, the listing agent and the selling agent are supposed to both be there, even during a, a home inspection. Hmm. Uh, that is the true way that it's supposed to be. Um, so there's, uh, but most, mo- most 99% of the times, usually the, uh, the realtor is there uh, with their clients, the selling agent, the realtors are with their clients during the home inspection yeah. so that they can, you know, firsthand hear if there's anything that's uh, important needed to be uh, uh, done to the house uh, after they move into. Just out of curiosity, in this uh, agreement of purchase and sale, the um, the buyers had the right to revisit the property two further times prior to completion. Is that is that odd? Is that normal? Usually, usually two is normal. Okay. Um, but but the one one to revisit with a home inspector um, is part of the uh, on the agreement purchase and sale of one of the conditions. Uh, I don't know. Um, it shouldn't have been one of the uh, uh, viewings that they had. Usually, people will put down we want two viewings after it's a firm deal, and one is usually the day the day before the closing date, and the other one is you know sometime within a month. Just sometimes they want to measure uh, some things and, you know, just to get some things before they move in. So they have it ready uh, when they move in on closing date. But uh, but usually the home inspection is never a part of uh, of the viewings. But I, I'm not the way they written that up. It's, it's a little uh, different, but usually it's two to three. Uh, viewings, depending how long the closing date is. If it's the closing date's with less than 60 days, usually it's two viewings. If it's, you know, 90 to 120 days, the people want to, you know, maybe ask for three viewings so that they can, you know, just go in and check things out, see if right. everything's okay. All right, let's go to Discipline Committee uh, ruling number two. This was another violation of the Code of Ethics and had to do with lot size. So this realtor represented the seller of a property and misrepresented the size of the lot, nearly doubling its acreage for the listing and published materials. The buyer, who entered into an agreement of purchase and sale and relied upon the information in the listing and published materials, learned the true size of the property from his lawyer, 
prior to closing. The buyer was unable to obtain an agreement or an abatement, pardon me, in the sale price from the seller. Having reviewed an agreed statement of facts and penalty and waiver of hearing, the discipline committee found that the realtor breached uh, a few sections, 337 and 38 of the Code of Ethics, and was ordered to pay a fine of $7,500 on or before April 30th of 2021. And this looks like another easy slash dumb mistake. It is. So what happens there is they closed because they probably had no choice. Uh, they closed the deal because they probably sold their house. They were going to be homeless. So they probably closed in protest, meaning that, hey, we're closing. We've got no choice. Um, we've got nowhere else to go. And they closed. Now, the realtor got fined, but there will be probably a lawsuit there. Uh, that's going to happen. And um, each uh, every agent in Ontario has uh, an insurance called errors in the missions. Now errors in the missions protects you. If, if it's something happens that it was not your fault. Now errors in the missions may look at this and say, sorry, uh, you're on your own. You're going to have to pay for your own legal bill and whatever the outcome is, you're, you're going to, whatever damages are, you're going to have to pay those damages. So because of the ruling that he got fined there, for sure, there's going to be a lawsuit here. And, um, these people bought, the, the house with the uh, intentions thinking that they were getting a one acre property, not a half acre. And uh, so there's going to be, there's going to be a, a settlement there of some sort. So, so the, the, that agent made a really big mistake and, and not really paying attention to what the lot size was and writing it down the right way. So, so he's in uh he's in a lot of, a bit of uh he's got a, he's got a, he's in a little bit of a pickle. Yeah. The, the, the fine might just be the start. That's for sure. You mentioned, um, uh, being not your fault in, uh, under the errors and emissions uh, insurance uh, part of that. What would be an example of something that would not necessarily be a realtor's fault? You know what, for instance, um, would not, okay, so let's say somebody sells a house and um, they sell, they get a great price for it. They sell it for 500000 and uh, he's talking to uh, his neighbor and said, hey, you know, I think or no, uh, he's talking to his neighbor saying, hey, my buddy would have paid more money for the house, right? And, you know, it's just talk, right? He would have paid more money. You undersold the house. You should sue the agent or something like that. Right. So, so he can get a lawyer, and if the lawyer is willing to go under litigation with that, uh, lawyers know that uh, realtors are insured. So he may go for litigation for that and, and help the, uh, the, um, uh, the homeowner if he wants to proceed. Uh, and then they may go through the whole process and find out that he got exactly what, what a willing buyer is willing to pay in, in that market. Um, you know, anybody can go to litigation now. That's the problem. Yeah. And, 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 and lawyers know that realtors are insured. So they'll say, Hey, well, you know, here's a, I can pick up some, uh, a, a client and, uh, and he's going to be covered and, uh, and, and, and they know insurance companies will give a nuisance settlement. And uh, what a nuisance settlement is, is, Hey, if it does go to court, you're probably going to lose, but here's some money to just end this now and go away. Uh, so a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of these deals, what happens is they end up, uh, getting a nuisance settlement just to stop it. So there's, you know, it just stops the legal hmm. process going forward because once you go to court, it gets more and more expensive. Oh yeah. And, uh, for both sides, it's just better just to, uh, and, uh, getting that nuisance settlement. But what happens is the winner on that nuisance settlement, 99% of the time is the lawyer. <laughs> so let's say the lawyer's uh, fees were yeah. 50,000 and the nuisance settlement is 50,000. 
guess who wins? And then the and the and the uh, the guy that uh, there that had the the seller, he's got he gets zero. Wow. And uh, the lawyer says, "Well, that's the best we did. We tried. You know what I mean? Like he's giving his story now. So so be careful. Yeah. Sometimes it's not uh, not good to sue. The best way to sue is in small claims court. Um, you you can have a, a paralegal help you consult, and I think it you can sue up to thirty five thousand, which is the hmm. best way to go. Yeah, in the scenario um, in the scenario that you painted, in terms of you know this neighbor said, hey, you could have got a lot more, and then you know you, you take the yeah. realtor to court. At the end of the day, I mean, a house is going to sell for whatever a willing buyer is willing to pay for it. Um, so. Uh, uh, Unless Absolutely. it's yeah, unless it's exorbitantly underpriced or uh, the realtor really uh, you know messed up, uh, I'm not sure that that's an area that that homeowner at least would have a leg to stand on. Well, there was a there was a case in Cambridge where a realtor, uh, a, a, an elderly person, uh, called this realtor to look uh, at the house, and she thought you know oh uh, probably my house is worth uh, you know three hundred thousand. He says okay. He goes I I, I he goes I can sell this house for three hundred. Actually, I may have my my parents, uh, they're looking for a house. They'll, they'll buy it off you for 300000 So the expectation of that person, 300000 to them, they thought that was a great price. But meanwhile, the, the property was actually worth uh, just under 600000 hmm. So he did not really represent that seller in, in, in it good faith. So he ended up getting sued. He ended up uh, um, having a lot of problems. He got kicked out of his brokerage because he, he did an unethical thing to an elderly person. And uh, so it, it actually it actually hurt his business because um, he wasn't representing um, that seller properly. And when, when people found out that he sold the house for, uh, you know, just like at, at, at 55% of, of value, um, everybody, you know, say, Hey, what are you doing? Like this guy took advantage of you and you know, who bought the house and his parents put in his parents name. It's it just, it was just a, a mess. He hit the front pages of the newspapers in his city. And, uh, and believe me, he got a good kick in the, in the butt from that. And, uh, and, and it hurt him really bad. And we were surprised that he didn't lose his uh, license. I'm really surprised about that. You can listen to the Hamilton Real Estate Show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfie Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And while you are in the World Wide Web uh, sphere, if you will, go to robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. And call Canada's number one REMAX team today at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You want to check out at Rob Golfie for some uh, neat and uh, and sometimes entertaining videos as well. We've had this topic for a while. We've been holding on to it because, well, there's been some big news uh, over the last uh, number of weeks. But this is uh, a story about uh, the United States becoming a renter nation, according to uh, one real estate investor. And it basically points to rising home prices, keeping prospective buyers out of home ownership, and, of course, they're turning to the rental market. So it says high demand, low supply, low mortgage rates have all driven up home prices to historic highs over the summer in the U.S. And for every $1,000 price increase, about 150,000 potential buyers are priced out of a home purchase. And that, of course, keeps them in the rental market. Uh, Grant Cardone is his name. He told uh, Yahoo Finance that, uh, quote, home ownership is still dead in this country because the only people that are buying homes right now are people that have equity, great credit and a job. 
Uh, rent prices slid in the summer in the U.S., making apartments even more desirable and attainable for Americans during the pandemic. The national median rent price for a one-bedroom apartment was down 0.1% from the month before to about $1,200. And um, Cardone says, we're going to become a renter nation in this country. Renting will become the economic choice and the desirable choice again. Um, just your thoughts on that, and is that uh, somewhat true here in Hamilton, Burlington, Niagara, because house prices have gone up a lot. Well, uh, it, it's actually becoming too expensive for renters to even rent. So um, I, I don't think as much as I, I, I don't see that like 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 we're going to be in the U.S. It, it is becoming expensive. It is harder for first time buyers to buy uh, a house in Canada right now just because how expensive they are. Uh, they do need all the help they can get, and and hopefully the government does put out programs for these first-time buyers. But I don't see Canada uh, as much. Yes, we are becoming more, uh, but not as much as the U.S. is. And thankfully so. Uh, even though they had uh, quite an inter- interesting uh, election campaign, uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, be proud to be Canadians. That's for sure. When we come back, uh, we're going to ask uh, Mr. Rob Golfie uh, some of the uh, top real estate questions that people ask of him and his team and a whole lot more still to come here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Zamprin. Down at One Markland is Rob Golfie, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. You can find them online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call Canada's number one Remax team today, whether you're selling your home or whether you're buying one in town, 905-575-7700, at Rob Golfie on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast. Podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you have a topic idea for a future program or a question for the Golfie team, send them an email. Questions at robgolfie.com is the email address. Uh, here's some top real estate questions, and I'm sure you've heard a boatload of these over your, how many years have you been in the business now? 20, 30, 40? 20, 23 <laughs> years now. 23? 23, yeah. Wow. Getting, up, getting, up, getting up there. Getting up there. <laughs> hey, on uh, I, I, I don't mean to, I don't know if brag is the word. It's more of a survival thing or anything. But on Monday, I'm celebrating my 20th anniversary at CHML, if you can believe it. So I am, wow, uh, I'm, I'm feeling, thank you, I'm feeling old as well. So we're in the same boat. Yeah, you you're still a young guy. You're you're always going to be younger than I am, Rick. Well, no, it's I, I I no matter how long I try to hold off, hold <laughs> off, but you're still younger. I don't know. My sister's birthday is coming up too, and I told her she's catching up. But uh, no, it's not really true. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's some of the top real estate questions that uh, people have, and uh, Remax has put this uh, pretty cool document together. Number one, I'm not sure if these are in any particular order, but number one. And uh, you tell us whether you've heard this one over the over the over the years that you've been in the business. I'm thinking about buying my first home. Where do I start? <laughs> you know what the first the first thing is is actually uh, call a realtor, and then that realtor will sit down with you, and and then the first thing he's going to do is or he or she the realtor will uh, uh, connect you with uh, a mortgage specialist, whether it's a a bank or a mortgage a mortgage broker. 
and get you pre-approved. Make sure that you're up to date on your income tax. You've got your uh, NOAs, uh, notice of assess- assessments and everything. And then uh, once they talk to a financial institution or a mortgage broker or, or, or whoever, they'll fi- you know, find out what you qualify for, what you can do. And then from there, uh, that mortgage person will say to us, listen, this person can buy a purchase price up to this much. So, uh, and then, and then the best way to do it is get a letter from that mortgage person and that you have that letter that you can submit that when you're uh, putting an offer on, on what you're looking for. So then, you know, after that you start finding out, you know, where the person works, you know, what they like doing, what's, what's their intentions. Then we can kind of direct them what area parts of the city that they want to move to. But yeah, definitely talk to a realtor first, that realtor will, and then should direct you to get uh, you pre-approved with a mortgage specialist. And then from there, that's when you can start looking at homes. Yeah. So basically step one is learn where you are, where you sit in the market in terms of what you can afford. That's a, a good tip. Number two, is there a best time of the year price wise to buy a home? Uh, this time of the year in uh, is usually a great time to start looking at buying a house. Uh, uh, amount of buyers in the market right now are less, but, but, but the odd thing is we are experiencing less inventory than normal. So, but you still can get some good deals at this time of the year. Uh, if you can go in with a quick closing and that's what people are looking for. If somebody's putting a house up for sale now, they're looking for quick closings. And if you can close quick, and, and you're buying around this time, you can negotiate some good deals uh, out there. And, uh, and, I, and I just recently put an offer in with one of our clients. We submitted a, an offer and we actually got it at nine, uh, 90% of uh, 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 purchase list price. So nice. we, did, we did pretty good. So there are good deals out there for buyers. Just, uh, you know, just got to get the right guy and, and, uh, or a girl, a realtor, let's just say, and, uh, and they'll be able to uh, direct you and get you a good deal out there right now. And away you go. Your top real estate questions uh, answered. Uh, number three, can I buy a home with no down payment? There there are ways of buying homes with no down payment. Years ago, uh, if, if, if you, rem- uh, you, if you, you probably may not remember this, uh, when I was uh, in my early 20s, uh, there was a lot of uh, real estate uh, uh, courses out there, uh, how to buy houses with uh, um, zero down payment. Now, people, uh, if they remember, they remember the Tom Vu courses and things like that. Now, I, before I became a realtor, uh, in my 20s, I was buying uh, uh, investment properties. And I have bought with zero down, but it's a little difficult now. Um, you can use it and leverage your RSPs. Uh, but you're, uh, you know, use your RSPs to help you with the down payment. Then you got to pay back your RSPs, but there are ways, but you are leveraging something to buy that property. If you're using money that is allocated elsewhere already. So you can borrow against your investments. Uh, yes, you can buy with zero down payment, but you're, you're leveraging, uh, something with equity that you have already. That makes sense. Uh, more of your top real estate questions answered when we continue here on the Hamilton real estate show on 900 CHML. Homeward bound, I wish I was homeward bound. Home, when my thoughts escaping, home, when my music's playing, home, when my love lies waiting silently for Last go round here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Rob Golfi, sales representatives with Remax's Scartman Realty, the Golfi team. Hopefully, you're enjoying your Saturday and a wonderful weekend ahead. Uh, 
online at robgolfie.com. The hottest listings in town, whether it's Hamilton, Burlington, Niagara, the surrounding area. That's robgolfie.com. Call Canada's number one REMAX today at 905-575-7700. All over social media, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the handle at Rob Golfie. We're talking about some of your top real estate questions answered. How much will I need for closing costs? You know, the um, if, you, if you're just going in, like, let's say less than 20%, there, there are CMHC fees. And it, depending on, um, you know, if you're going in with 5% down or 10 or 15 or 20% down, 20% down, there is no CMHC fees. But actually, banks love it that you're coming in with less than 20% down because they know the mortgage is insured. The banks love it. Uh, but that means your mortgage is going to be bigger, obviously. Um, but if, let's say if you're coming in with 5% down, there is CMHC fees, uh, insurance, it's, uh, CMHC insurance, which covers the, uh, the, the amount of the mortgage amount for the bank. So let's say you default on paying your mortgage, the bank will are guaranteed to get their money back, uh, on that mortgage. So, so let's say the, uh, CMHC fee, it works out just less than, uh, than 1% of the, uh, of the purchase price. So you can end up putting 5% down on a house, but your, your, uh, let's say, but your CMHC fees can be, uh, you know, 5,000, depending on the price of the, of the house, um, uh, what, what you're buying. So, uh, it, it, it ranges about 1%, uh, I'd say around 1% for CMHC fees. Then you got maybe, uh, legal fees, including disbursements and things like that. Maybe another 1500 to $1,800, depending on the lawyer. So, so you're looking to close a deal. You should always put aside, uh, you know, five thousand dollars aside. Uh, maybe you know, depending on the on the purchase price, also. So one percent. So if you're closing a on a, on a seven hundred thousand dollar house, just have, uh, and if you have to pay CMHC insurance, you know, put you know seven thousand aside plus uh, your legal. Put another two thousand. So yeah, it, it adds up. It's going to be eight thousand dollars that you need to close that deal. Now with CMHC insurance, you can they can roll that uh, fee into the mortgage. So you don't have to worry about that on closing. So the, the banks will say, yeah, you, no problem. You can roll that, that fee, that six, that 5,000 or $7,000 fee into the mortgage and, and you don't have to worry about having that. So then the only thing you have to come up with is land tra- uh, the land transfer tax, the land, tra- land transfer tax fees and, the, uh, and your legal fees. So, so that you're not uh, going to be uh, so tight on closing date. So, so CMHC, you know, protects you land transfer tax, not as much. If you're a first time buyer, they have incentives, uh, and it it could be as half as much as it it is for a person that's bought a house before. Yeah. Those costs uh, certainly add up. That's for sure. Your top real estate questions uh, answered. uh, The next one is, uh, should I lower the list price or offer an incentive to sell my home faster? So um, it, lowering the list price of, of your home, yes, that it draws a lot of people, um, and it's and it's and people are getting multiple offers on their houses, and they're actually getting sometimes even more than what the the, the market value is, uh, depending how many people are looking at that house. Um, it, it, it does work. It has backfired sometimes on some people, so you have to be very very careful. Uh, you have to know the market very very well. Um, and, um, so for instance, let's say you tell your clients, let's list it at 400,000 and the house is worth 500,000 and let's, and then, uh, let's hope we'll get, you know, 520 or, or whatever. And you may end up getting 475 
it just depends on the week. So you got to be very, very careful uh, on the number that you select that you want people to, to buy. Now, if you're getting everybody looking at a house that's in the 400 range, so chances are they can for, afford up to 450. So you're missing out a good buyer pool uh, that is looking uh, higher than 450. And, and meanwhile, the people that are looking at that house only can afford up to 450. So you have to be very, very careful. It's okay to under, underprice maybe about 30 to 50,000, but don't underprice by a hundred. You may get that hundred thousand over asking just because of the fact of the demand and nobody expected that. And it just, you know, like we are seeing houses selling for over a hundred thousand. We're like, wow, I can't believe that's happened. Hmm. We would, we didn't expect that, but it does happen. You just got to be careful on, on how you do that when you underlist a, uh, a house. We have 30 seconds to get to this one and it probably won't take that long. What color of houses sell the fastest? What color? <laughs> well, I know uh, I, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I guess, uh, you know, there's the brick red, uh, stone, um, siding. I mean, there, there's all different colors, stucco, cream color. Honestly, uh, you know what? I've never looked at those stats, and I don't even think there's a, uh, a, a checkbox that says what color is the house. I mean, <laughs> we just look at that, but <laughs> good question. You know what? I uh, Rick, I I'm, I can't answer that one, buddy. I'm sorry. Hey, as long as it's not, you know, neon pink or something, I think you're probably fine. Neon yellow. I saw a neon yellow house uh, for sale one time. They actually painted it after and it eventually sold. So, wow. <laughs> so neon yellow was was definitely a no. There okay, you go. We'll that, put that that's at the, the bottom book. of the list. Rob, thanks yeah. uh, again for another great show. Have a fantastic week. And thank you for listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show. We're back next Saturday at 9 on 900 CHML. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.